0: Shalom, and welcome to Parashah Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week's parashah is MO. It is uh, a parashah with uh, many, many mitzvot, uh, in a variety of areas, uh, but uh, in general, I think we can say we'll divide the parashah into, uh, into five, uh, five parts. In the first part of the uh, parasha, we're dealing with uh, kohanim and uh, offerings. In other words, the the special sanctity, the kedushah of the kohanim themselves, as well as the korbanot of which they are responsible. First told that uh, kohanim uh, have to preserve their special status, the special kedushah, Uh, And the way they do this is on a variety of levels. One, uh, they are forbidden, knowingly, to become tameh through contact with the dead. The Torah uh, highlights, however, uh, seven exceptions. The seven close relatives, mother, father, sister, brother, son, daughter, and spouse. Uh, For those, uh, Kohen does become uh, tameh. In addition, Kohen is not permitted to shave patches uh, or shave the edges of his beard or to gouge his skin in uh, in mourning. And uh, these are mitzvot that are parallel to mitzvot that apply to everyone, uh, but it's uh, particularly noteworthy when it comes to Kohen. Uh, in addition, a Kohen is limited as to which uh, women he's permitted to marry. He's not permitted to marry uh, a profaned woman or a divorcee. And... Uh, Torah goes so far as to say that the daughter of a Kohen who commits adultery uh, gets a special death penalty uh, that is through something called which is burning which uh, just highlights her special status then the Torah goes on to talk about preserving this, the special holiness of the Kohen Gadot, uh, above and beyond that of the other Kohanim, uh, he is forbidden to let his hair grow or to wear torn clothing. Uh, in other words, he does not go into mourning even for the uh, seven close relatives, even for his mother and father. Um, he, of course, is not permitted to become to make the dead, but in this case, to any dead, uh, he must marry. If he marries while well, well, he is a Kohen, he must marry a virgin. Uh, he's forbidden to marry a widow, a divorcee or a profaned uh, woman. this so in this he' uh, has additional prohibitions above uh, any other Kohain. He's not permitted to marry a widow. The Torah then goes on to say that a Kohen who has a physical deformity with the Torah calls a mum, uh, is disqualified from serving in the uh, the sanctuary, although, uh, he uh, is a Kohen like any other Kohen in that he's permitted to partake of uh, the holy foods. The uh, Torah goes on to say that a Kohen who is Tameh is forbidden from eating things that are uh, sanctified. Punishment for doing so knowingly is Karet. Uh, after the period of Tuma, however, uh, he immerses in the Nikvah and then waits for sunset, and when sunset comes, after sunset, he is permitted to resume the consumption of uh, holy things. Uh, the Torah tells us that, not, that when it comes to terumah, that which has been taken off the produce and given to the Kohanim, it must, of course, it must be eaten in a state of uh, Torah. Uh, but not only the Kohan himself is permitted to eat it, but even the Kohan's family members and even servants eat it. Someone who is unaware that it's and eats it, so must pay back uh, the principal, the value of what he ate, and must add what the Torah calls a chamishit uh, or a chomish, which literally means a fifth, but it's uh, actually a 25 percent, a one quarter of the principal. It's called a fifth because when you add it to the principal, that which you've added is a fifth of the uh, total you're adding to the principles, 25 percent. The Torah then goes on to talk about uh, sacrifices, that animals with physical deformities may also not be offered. Uh, The the Torah in both the cases of the kohanim and the animals with physical deformities, the Torah talks in detail about what kinds of deformities uh, we're talking about here. Such animals can be accepted uh, for their monetary value as a monetary donation uh, to the sanctuary goes on to say that it is was prohibited to castrate animals uh, and also that uh, deformed animals that have been donated by a non-Jew may not be offered, which means that there are certain offerings uh, brought by non-Jews, of course, not for idolatry, not forbid, but uh, for worship of Hashem. Uh, there are certain sacrifices accepted from, from non-Jews that would be offered in the Mishkan. Uh, some other general prohibitions that uh, apply to, uh, to sacrifices uh, that the animal that is born uh, may not be offered as a sacrifice before the, uh, before the eighth day, only for the eighth day of its life and on. Uh, furthermore, the Torah says that one is not to slaughter uh, the, the animal and its child on the same day we're reminded that there are sacrifices that have to be eaten within a certain prescribed time, and uh, so eating them uh, outside of the prescribed time is forbidden. As a matter of fact, even the intention to eat them uh, outside of the correct time uh, will invalidate it. So the Torah concludes this section by reminding us that we must uh, learn the mitzvot uh, of the Torah, sanctify Hashem's name. That's an idea that comes up many times in the book of uh, VaYikra and uh, reminds us again that the reason for bringing you out of Egypt uh, was in order to uh, pursue this holiness, this kidushah, uh which is uh, which is pursued on a number of fronts, uh, including having the Kohanim uh, and having the sacrifices meet certain uh, very high standards. The next section of the parasha uh, deals with the festivals. And here, uh, although the festivals have been mentioned before, or some of the festivals have been mentioned, this uh, will be the first time that all of the festivals uh, throughout the year uh, are going to be mentioned, uh, all the special days. The Torah begins by saying that uh, we must proclaim the festivals, and that also means learning about the festivals. The first of them is Shabbat which we've heard about before, and we're reminded that on Shabbat no type of melakha uh, may be uh, done. And then we have a second introduction, now we're going to talk about the festivals that happen, let's say once a year, uh, rather than uh, once a week. Uh, And we're uh, we're told that you are to proclaim these uh, festivals at their appropriate time, and that really has a lot to do with the uh, proclamation of the Beit Din, of the court, to determine when the festival is to take place. The first of the festivals, in the order in which they occur during the year, uh, is Pesach, because the month in which Pesach falls uh, is called the first month of the Torah, In later history it's called the month of uh, Nisan. And we're reminded of certain elements of Pesach. First of all, on the 14th day of the month, We bring the Pesach sacrifice and eat it that night. And then, starting with the 15th of Nisan, we have the seven-day festival, which the Torah calls Chag HaMatzot. So as I've said in other contexts, in the Torah, Pesach is the time when this Passover sacrifice is offered and eaten. Uh, The seven-day festival is called Chag HaMatzot. Later time, they became synonyms, but in the Torah, uh, they're, they're not identical. There is an overlap between Pesach and Chaka Matzot and that is the night of the Seder. We are told uh, during those seven days that the uh, form of bread to eat must be Matzah. We're also told that the first and the seventh day of the seven-day period uh, is a Festival Day and what that means is that one is not permitted to do uh, what's called Melech Not all Melech is prohibited uh, Only the malacha that's called malachat avodah, and primarily what that means is that the uh, preparation of food, for example, cooking, uh, or even slaughtering an animal, uh, is permitted on Pesach. And then we're told about bringing other sacrifices that have to be brought on Uh, Pesach. Then we're told uh, about the Omer offering on the uh, Pesach time is the time of the first grain harvest. That's the harvest of uh, of barley. And uh, that an omer, which is a sheaf, is cut, waved, processed, and then offered. And this takes place on the second day of Pesach. The the cutting takes place on the second night of Pesach and the offering with all of its sacrifices are on the second day of Pesach. Um, And this uh, offering permits the use of any new grain, before that the new grain is forbidden until this offering is brought. Connected with the Omer offering is the counter of the Omer. The Torah goes on to say that starting with the time that we bring this uh, offering, uh, we begin to count. We count seven weeks, in other words 49 days, and then the 50th day is the holiday of Shavuot, which is one day. Uh, on Shavuot there are special sacrifice of two loaves of chametz bread, uh, as it's called. Uh, we're reminded, of course, of the various sacrifices that are brought on Shavuot. And, once again, no malechet avoda is permitted, which means that uh, food preparation is permitted. While we're talking about uh, harvesting, because Shavuot also corresponds to the second grain harvest, which is the harvest of wheat, so we're told, we're reminded, uh, of the importance of taking care of the poor. Uh, there are gifts that must be left to the poor. Two that are pointed out here are uh, pea and leket. Peah is when you leave the edge of the field uh, unharvested so that the, the uh, poor can, uh, can cut that grain and take it for themselves. And uh, leket is uh, if you left anything out in the field, so you don't go back to to gather it, you leave it for them. The Torah then proceeds to talk about the next of the uh, festivals in the order in which they occur in the year. And uh, the next festival month is the seventh month, the month that we uh, nowadays call the month of Tishrei. And the first of the festivals is on the first day of the seventh month. The Torah calls it Yom Teruah, the day of the shofar blasts. Later in time, we came to call this Rosh Hashanah, the new year. Uh, It is the first day of the seventh month. And the identifying mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah is uh, the blowing of the shofar. We're reminded, once again, that there is no melechet avodah. Food preparation is uh, permissible. Then the Torah goes on to talk about Yom Kippur, also known as Yom Kippurim. Day of Atonement. This takes place on the 10th day of the seventh month. Here we are uh, reminded uh, that we must afflict ourselves, we must deprive ourselves of certain uh, physical uh, pleasures, uh, no eating or drinking, no wearing of leather shoes, uh, no bathing, uh, no no anointing, and also no marital relations. in addition, Yom Kippur is a day of no malachah, similar to Shabbat, no malachah whatsoever. And the punishment for violating either of these, affliction or malachah, is the punishment of karet. We're reminded that this uh, all begins the night before on the night of the ninth, which means that we actually begin the observance of Yom Kippur uh, before sunset. Then, the next festival, also during the seventh month, is the festival of Sukkot. Uh, it begins on the 15th day of the seventh month, and it lasts for seven days. On the first day, there is no malechet avodah, similar to the other festivals. And then, after the seventh day, seven days are over, there's an additional eighth day, uh, when also no malechet is done. It's immediately after Sukkot, although it's not considered part of uh, Sukkot. About uh, that in more detail soon. Uh, during Sukkot, uh, the two uh, mitzvot that the Torah discusses here one is taking the four species the etrog, the lav, the hadasim, that's myrtle branches, the aravot, the willow branches, taking them together and uh, celebrating. And the other mitzvah is the mitzvah of Sukkot, uh, living uh, in Sukkot, living in uh, more temporary housing during the seven days of the festival at the end of this whole uh, section of the Torah says that Moshe told uh, Bnei Israel about all of these uh, all of these festivals the next uh, section of the parasha uh, returns to a subject that we've learned about before and that is the menorah that uh, in the Mishkan there is a menorah and it is required to prepare pure olive oil uh, for the lighting of the menorah, and that the menorah is to be uh, arranged and lit in the holy place uh, every every single day. Torah also mentions uh, the lechem fanim. Uh This is special bread, uh, 12 loaves uh, that are they're actually in the form of matzah, 12 loaves and two groups of six, and they're placed on the shulchan, on the uh, table in the Mishkan. They've changed every Shabbat. Miraculously, they stayed fresh. And uh, the Kohanim eat the loaves after they have been removed. They break it up and uh, all of the Kohanim are able to partake. The very last section of the Pasha tells us one of the few uh, stories as well, one of the few incidents that we learn about in the book of Baikra. And that's the story of the uh, the Kaleel, the blasphemer. Uh, The backdrop is that there's a quarrel between two men. We're not told anything about the the names of these two men, uh, but we are told that one of the men is the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father, and the other is a son of two Israelite parents. And in the course of this uh, argument between them, the first son of the Israelite mother and his Egyptian father blasphemes. He utters God's name He curses, and this is a a terrible sin, uh, but the exact punishment has not, had not been spelled out until this point. And so uh, we're told, Moshe finds out and teaches, that the form of punishment is stoning. While we're talking about that, we're also told about other uh, capital crimes uh, for blasphemy, uh, stoning, murder, its uh, execution by decapitation, uh, on the other hand, for killing an animal or causing uh, maiming another human being, the uh, what must be done is monetary compensation. And that brings us to the end of this uh, this parasha with so much to say. I want to return to uh, the discussion about the the, the festivals, uh, specifically uh, Sukkot and uh, some ideas that. Uh, Casts on uh, other festivals. Uh, we're told that uh, for seven days, uh, you bring the various offerings. In other words, you celebrate uh, Sukkot. And then on the eighth day, there's another festival. Uh, and uh, all that the Torah says about it is that it is a festival. Uh, you bring uh, the appropriate uh, sacrifices. Uh, and it calls it Atzeret. Um, Atzeret is a time of. Gathering, um, and uh, we're also told not to, to work. Uh, when the Ramban uh, discusses this uh, passage, he starts off by quoting Rashi. Rashi says that the reason why this eighth day is called Atseret uh, is that it's based on the word la'atso, which is to stop or to hold back. Rashi famously says that uh, this, because this is coming. Uh, at the end of many, many festivals, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. Um, and it's just before uh, the beginning of the winter. there which time there are no festivals. People have to go back. They have to go back to their farms. Um, so this is one more day in which the people of Israel are held back. Let's well, get back one more day uh, just in order to celebrate. Rashi famously uh, gives a, a, a mashal, an allegory. It says it's like, a prince who invited his children to a banquet, uh, and when the time came for them to leave, he said, please stay with me one more day. Uh, It's it's so difficult for me to depart from you. So the eighth day of Sukkot is like that. It's a holdover day. It's an extension uh, for no other purpose than God wants us to be with him for one more day. And the Ramban quotes this. Uh, He goes on, uh, however, to compare this uh, with the holiday of, Shavuot, and I'll explain why. Um, Pesach, uh, which is the first of the three pilgrimage festivals, uh, is seven days. First day of Pesach and the seventh day of Pesach are holy days, no malachim uh, abodam, uh, and then start and also to uh, to begin counting the Omer uh, uh, for a period of forty nine days, in other words, seven weeks, and then fiftieth day is Shavuot. Now the Torah calls the festival Shavuot weeks because it comes at the end of seven weeks a week of weeks if, if you like. Uh, and then the last day is a festival. Well the rabbis uh, generally refer to the holiday of Shavuot as Atzeret. It's the same word that's used for the eighth day of Sukkot, a holdover day, an extension. And the Ramban uh, this is a famous comment of his says that the relationship of Shavuot to Pesach is similar to the relationship of the eighth day of Sukkot to the seven days of Sukkot. The eighth day of Sukkot is a day of extension, hold on over, uh, and even though it is a separate holiday, um, it is an extension of that time. In a similar way, says the rabban, the Pesach, the eighth day of Pesach, if you like, is, uh, is Shavuot. And therefore, says the Ramban, the, the entire period of the Omer is similar to Cholamoy, the intermediate days of a, a festival. The basic message of this is that Shavuot, even though it's a holiday in its own right, is really the culmination and the completion of Pesach, the reason for the exodus, reason of coming out of Egypt uh, was not only to free us as slaves, but in order for us to receive the Torah, uh, which we did on Shavuot. But that connection, that culmination is not immediate. It's a process. It's a process of the seven uh, weeks of counting, and what usually goes along with that, should go along with that, is uh, introspection, uh, so that we prepare ourselves for uh, properly receiving Torah. The Ramban uh, cites the fact that uh, there are certain ways in which the eighth day of Sukkot is really a separate holiday. Um, it has a separate bracha, it's got a separate name, number of ways, but it's a complement, complement with an E, uh, of the first seven days because it really uh, completes the whole idea of what Sukkot was about. Sukkot was about rejoicing with Hashem, stay one more day to uh, to rejoice some more before the long winter ahead. Similarly, uh, the, the eighth day of Pesach, as it were, uh, is Shavuot, which completes, which offers a complement uh, to what Pesach uh, was uh, trying to achieve, namely freedom from slavery in order to become the uh, servants of Hashem. And in that from that perspective, says the Ramban, we can look upon the Omer period as a kind of extended Cholamoid. It's a different way of looking at this uh, this period of time. I thank you very much for joining me once again uh, in this exploration of this week's parasha. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher for Parasha Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.